children's choir pointing us to God with their beautiful voices. Our second lesson comes from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. These scripture lessons, as we heard, David anointed in our time with the young disciples. And these scriptures, David is finally coronated as king. And then the next section is what David does, his first act as king. So listen for a word from God. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David from Hebron and said, Look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time while Saul was king over us, it was you who led out Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be shepherd of my people Israel. You shall be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem, he reigned over, at, over all Israel and Judah 33 years. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people set with him set out and went from Baal-Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ayo, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ayo went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are a God of immense joy. We pray this all in your name. Amen. As with all of our Old Testament stories, we need a little bit of context to figure out what's going on here. First, we have the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. The origin of the Ark goes back to Mount Sinai, when the Israelite people were liberated from Egypt and were given the Law and the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses, and he placed them in the Ark, and the Ark was carried with the people. It served as a reminder of the presence of God, a physical and mystical peace that would lead the Israelites as they were pilgrims in the wilderness, freshly liberated people looking for direction and looking for hope. The ark served as a central point of worship for the Israelites all through their time in the desert and then entering into Canaan. But as they started to get settled in this new land, as they go through the period of judges and now are becoming a monarchy, they're starting to become a little more established economically and politically. And the ark begins to fade from importance. It begins to be cast off to the side, less important. 
Now David, we all know the shepherd boy who defeated Goliath. After many military campaigns and desert wanderings, after many twists and turns in his life, finally becomes king. And one of the first things he does is realize that the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, is essentially sitting in storage in some unknown town. It had been taken by the Philistines many years ago, had been recovered, but it was still off to the side, playing no role in the worship or political life of the Israelites. And so what David does is he begins this role as king, this role in power. What he's saying is Yahweh, our God in the desert, our God who liberated us from Egypt, our God who we worship will no longer be on the outskirts, but we will return God to the center, to the capital, to the focal point of all our lives. And when we return God to the center, this will be joyful and we will celebrate. I'm wondering if this has ever happened in your life, church, that when you were in the wilderness, when things were incredibly difficult, when you were barely hanging on, that you came to God and made God the center of your life because you were in such deep need of security and help, that God served as this thing you could hold on to, as a God you could approach. But then as that difficult thing passed, as life began to get more secure and a bit more established, we slowly, without realizing it, place God into storage, place God off to the side. I wonder what it would look like to bring God from the outskirts back to the center, to bring God back into the heart of our lives. How might that change our lives and how might that change the life of the community? I've been holding off on using my daughter as a sermon illustration because every week I've got a great one. But I'm finally caving and using one today. One of my favorite moments in my life right now is when Allie and I are both home for bedtime. This happens probably three or four times a week. Life is busy, meetings come up. But three or four times a week, we're both home for that sacred moment where we can go and we do our bath time together. We take her to the changing table and just put copious amounts of aquifer all over her. And then we put her in her PJs and I sit down in the rocking chair. Clearly she's the only child right now. Um, <laughs> and I get the bottle out and when she sits in the chair, she knows what's coming next and her mouth opens up. She's frantically looking around for the bottle and I bring it to her lips and she starts to drink and drink the milk. And then Allie gets out a book we've been working through. It's called Why I Wake Early, poems by Mary Oliver, which was given to me by a church member here before she passed, Lillian Cowart. And so Abby's drinking, that's the only thing she focuses on, until Allie starts to read one of the poems. As soon as Allie begins to read off to the side, all of a sudden, Evie has nothing to do with that milk. She smacks it out of my hands, often on the ground, turns her head, and looks at her mother's voice. 
looks at the voice that's speaking to her. The thing that was previously all she could think about, she's forgotten. And then Allie finishes the poem, and all of a sudden her mouth opens up, and she's looking for the bottle again, and I give it to her, until Allie starts the next poem. And then she smacks the bottle out of my hands, turns her head, wants nothing to do with it, as she listens to these words of comfort, as she listens to this familiar voice of love as she is safe and warm. Throughout our lives, we are so sure we're being satisfied by things of the world. We digest so much news and criticisms and opinions that we just open our mouth and drink it in, filling ourselves with the loud voices, thinking that we are sustained sufficiently. But when we bring God to the center, we hear the voice of love. We hear the voice of God Almighty, who is comfort and love incarnate, who speaks to us and says, you are beloved. You are loved. You are loved dearly by the God of the universe. And when we hear the voice of love proclaim that truth about ourselves, then we smack away all those voices that try to tell us something different. All those voices that try to fill our heads with insecurities and pain and hurt. Instead, we listen to the voice of love that says, you are dearly loved, you are always welcomed, you are a child of God. And when we understand that truth, we can love others in profoundly new and creative ways. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people, which helps us to provide grace to someone who might be being difficult in our lives. Well, the inverse is true. Loved people love people. When you have known love, when you have experienced love, when you have a more full picture and concept of what being loved is, then you can love those out in the world who need it so desperately. When you experience and witness compassion and grace, compassion flows forth from your heart. Church, if we center God in our lives, if we bring the Ark of the Covenant, the commitment, the presence of God out from the outskirts and into the center, then we are empowered to transform lives and communities through the power of God's mercy, love, justice, and peace. If we center God in our lives, then we have a deeper understanding of who we are, beloved children, but we also have a deeper understanding of who others are in our life, beloved children of God. And when we understand that, when we understand God's presence being near and centered, we cannot help but react with joyful dancing, with joy and hope, knowing that the God Almighty is near and knows us completely. When God is the center of, of our lives, we more fully understand the greater story that we have been called into. That our story is a piece of God's story, of God's work 
here in the world. Over this past month, I have been collecting stories of this church for our stewardship video, which is on a QR code in the bulletin. I hope you will watch it later this week, and if not, I'll send you an email. But I get to witness and hear so many stories about the reach of this wonderful church, of how you all have exhibited God's love and how you have demonstrated that out in the world. The video only glimpses the depth of your care for this community and the world. And after hearing these stories and sharing them through the video, I wanted to share a story of my own about how my family has known love of this community. Started with the story of my daughter. I'm going to end with a story about my daughter. My daughter, Evie, is six months old, and she attends First Friends Preschool here, which was a ministry started many years ago by faithful members of this church. And every day she hears words and stories of love from her teachers, and she more intimately knows the voice of love through those people. And she goes down to Children's Church, where she gets to meet our Christian Ed Department and volunteers, where love, again, is spoken into her life. And she more intimately understands God's love and the voice of love. And she comes here to worship with all of you and hear the voices of children and the voices of our adults and the voices of the congregation lift high God's name. And in that, she more fully hears and understands the voice of love, calling her a beloved child. She has experienced God's love and God's voice at the center of her life because the community has done that here. And for that, I am so grateful to be a part of. Church, you all have spoken love and centered God in this community and there are times when even though that may have been true in the past, but we have to recalculate to think, what am I doing today to center love in my life, to speak love into other people's lives? And have I heard the voice of love lately in my own? Have I taken time to listen to God's voice who is calling me a child, a beloved child who is welcomed just as I am, with grace and mercy and hope. Church, the voice of love is calling you home, calling you by name, calling you beloved. May we listen, may we return, may we make this voice the center of our lives so that it may be our sole, fo our sole focus that we know intimately and that we share with our community and our world. May it be so, and thanks be to God. Amen.